Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Maurice, and it's showtime in Berks County for this beautiful Saturday right here at Global Warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL here in southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, you know that we're going to offer plenty of prudent opining and thoughtful discussions at the speed of sound. You know that. That's why you tune in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And you've been tuning in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on this show because you know you're going to be coming to the guidepost of truth and uh, you're going to get sensibility packaged very, very perfectly for you. And that's why you tune in. We appreciate you being with us. There's a whole lot to talk about today. Uh, you've got you've got the White House, one of a rare a rare sighting of the right, a White House press briefing with the South Korean president uh, and uh, oh, Biden with his cheat sheet. Okay, uh, basically reading his cheat sheet, came to a uh, press briefing 90 minutes late. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, the uh, obviously, the, the plan to put nuclear submarines back on the Korean Peninsula. I think that's interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the polling that shows what's going on at Fox News since Tucker was thrown off. And, uh, obviously, the uh, what, what, uh, what the majority... Uh, of America's want our lawmakers in Washington to focus on with, with our energy crisis that was created by these, by these horrible and America Democrats. Folks, we're talking about that and a whole lot more on today's show. So thanks for tuning in for us with us and let's jump right into it. Folks, what we have to realize and what's interesting on all of this is we're looking at old Biden and he has his press briefing. Now what's interesting, again, he, he, uh, you know, we, we have to ask the question, does America really need a fully functioning president? Well, the New York Times says not necessarily, okay? Because they're downplaying oh, Biden's decline. And uh, he said the uh, they basically had a headline or an article that said the Ameri- American government can function without a healthy president. Interesting. Okay, so they're talking about the people behind the scene. They're talking about the, the hands inside the puppet, okay? Uh, so that's what they're talking about. And America can function just as well as anything with uh, as long as the hands inside the puppet are fine. The puppet masters are fine. Um, it's really interesting. The New York Times uh, basically downplaying the Democrats concerns over o Biden's declining mental health and his cognitive health. Earlier this week, they, they uh, when, when Biden made his announcement for his reelection bid, arguing that the country does not need a fully functioning president. I think that was interesting. So Biden makes his announcement. The first thing he does is he wants to highlight the fact that America first is is, is evil and, and mean and, and whatnot and how globalism and, and America Democrats have what's, in, have what's in best in store. What's best in store for China is what's best in store for us. What's best in store for globalism is what's best in store for us. They want to redefine they want to redefine what happiness is. The only way the Democrats can ever get away with such well, with such nonsense is if they're successful in redefining what happiness is. Like they've been successful, they think, in their minds, at redefining what a woman is or what a man is. When they redefine what science is or what gender is, when they redefine what well, what reality is, and they redefine things. If they are successful in doing that, then they can define it in their own way, and they can convince people uh, of what's happening. So it, it's just it's interesting because it you know strange as it may sound, they said the American government can function without a healthy president. 
I mean, this was what a New York Times columnist wrote earlier this week. Strange as it may sound, the American government can function without a healthy president. What does David Lennart mean by that? He was the one that wrote the article in the New York Times. What does he mean by that? We can function without a healthy president. So he compares O'Biden, who's like 80 going on 105, to former President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, during World War II had numerous health issues, but wasn't, but was was still about 20 years younger. So, I mean, Delano Roosevelt was 60 going on 80. Biden's 80 going on 100. It's a big difference. The health issues at 60 make you, you know, obviously appear older and have the cognitive functions of an 80-year-old. But when you have cognitive issues at 80, you're going to have the health issues, the cognitive issues of a 100-year-old, of a healthy 100-year-old. So he's basically, uh, you know, they're making comparisons with apples and oranges. Delano Roosevelt was 60, acting like an 80-year-old, though Biden's 80, acting like he's a century-year-old. So let's cut the comedy. Then they're trying to compare Biden to Ronald Reagan, who had later had announced he had Alzheimer's. But again, that was when he got out of office. Oh, Biden, I mean, Reagan was reelected in 1984 and his term ended in 88. And, you know, you have to realize when his term ended, uh, you know, he, he I think he was announced as having Alzheimer's in the, in the mid 90s. OK, or something like that. It was sometime in the mid 90s or late 90s, like 96, 7, when they announced he had Alzheimer's. And then he was he had passed away. I believe it was uh, sometime. Um, I believe it was sometime in 05 or something like that. So he passed away like eight or 10 years later. So I think the thing of it is, is in the mid 90s. So he was out of office for five years when he announced he had Alzheimer's. I think if, if we heard honest opinions on O'Biden's cognitive issues, we would find out he had some mental issues as well. Uh, you know, it's really tragic. And I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that gleefully. I'm really sad by by the, what's happening here. This country elected a man who was hiding in his basement and hiding behind a mask, who who basically hid behind not doing debates. And and he just he knew I mean, he, he had no chance of winning short of the covid crisis and the mail in ballots, fiascos in all these states and that. And the and the uh, and the basic and the and the and the problems and the miscues, if you will, uh, with the machines and all of this stuff. He understood that. He really, I mean, he knows he didn't win when he made the statement. Okay, when he made the statement in 2020, when he said, and it's 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 on audio, you can see it. Okay, uh, he actually said it. He said that they created the most extensive voter fraud organization ever ever assembled in american history now what did he mean by that either he didn't mean to say it which is really bad because he's on video camera saying it or he meant to say it because he was talking candidly with somebody i i don't know but i do know that there was a lot of issues with fraud uh, 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 accusations of fraud we did see ballots boxes of ballots being pulled out from underneath tables in atlanta and we did see unending counting ballot counting in Arizona and, and in Pennsylvania and in Wisconsin and in Michigan and in, and in Georgia. We saw the unending counting of these ballots. And whenever there were unending counting going on, whenever there's, there's en endless counting, days on end of counting, then we know the tallies will change. And those that are counting the votes are going to be the ones 
to determine the tally end. We know this. We know this not from American history, but from Central American history, from 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 uh, third world nation history. Okay, around the around the planet, we know this from from crooked elections all over the world that have been viewed all over the world. We know this. So we know what a crooked election looks like as we've all seen them. All right, they don't tally up the votes the same day. They they tally them up days on end later. I mean, they're still counting votes five and six days later. Okay, it used to be joked upon in Philadelphia. It was, uh, it was uh, uh, the Chris Matthews who used to do uh, softball on, on MSNBC. Chris Matthews he used to do softball. He was on there on one of his episodes kind of chuckling one time because he made a comment how he headed up the Democrat Party in Pennsylvania. He was the chair of the Democrat Party in PA. So then he was running his show and, and whatnot. But he used to laugh because they were talking about when they were tallying up the votes, how many votes do you need? And they would always hold back Philadelphia County. Well, what do you mean they're holding back Philadelphia County? Well, they had the rig in on Philadelphia County. So on a close election, if they needed to deliver a few thousand votes, or they could deliver those votes in Philadelphia County and no one would see it. He, he made the joke on that. He made a joke on saying they would come to him and they would say, we still need X amount of votes. And, and you know, can we get that delivered in Philadelphia County? I remember him saying that on the air. So I remember Chris Matthews saying that on TV. Okay. I remember hearing it. And I remember being marveled at the fact that, well, I, I thought, man, a lot, he just admitted to cheating when he was the Democrat chair. Now, to be clear on this, O'Biden knew what was going on. And I think, well, I don't know how much he knew anything, but but the bottom line is he understood things weren't, he knew the fix was in. That's why he didn't debate anybody. See, it's like, it's like Josh Shapiro knew the fix was in in Pennsylvania because he didn't do debates with anybody. Josh Shapiro made a deliberate stance against debates. Josh Shapiro did not debate Doug Mastriano. Well, why is that? Because the fix was in. He knew there would be no one forcing the debates. He knew there wouldn't be any real monetary support for Mastriano to overcome the media blackouts and to to get his message out. Okay, he knew that. Well, in the case with O'Biden, O'Biden knew that there was things that were coming down. He was just avoiding contact with Trump because he knew he had the cognitive issues. They were protecting him just like they were protecting him from the press conference with the South Korean president. So don't miss that, okay? I mean, they protected him against the South Korean president. First off, he comes in 40 minutes late, 40 minutes late, okay? And you got to understand something, and then getting back to what they were, the New York Times columnist was making, making comparisons with FDR and Ronald Reagan, you got to realize, in each case, the White House, White House aides and cabinet secretaries and military leaders performed well despite the lack of fully engaged leader. That's what this guy was trying to point to. He was trying to say, look, you didn't have a fully engaged president with FDR. You certainly didn't have one Reagan. And, and of course, I disagree with that vehemently that Reagan was not fully engaged. Reagan was very fully engaged. And people that don't remember the, the 80s, they understood that, okay? But make no mistake about it. He's trying to basically justify how a 60-year-old that had polio, that was recovering from polio, okay, or, or survived, a 60-year-old polio survivor uh, had uh, had comparable co cognitive issues 
that our 80 year old uh our 80 year old uh 80 year old joe biden who has who has had two not one but two brain aneurysms two explosions in his brain so and when you have that sort of thing occur you can know brain damage is a reality and the cognitive decline comes in later and again, of course we could have we could have and i don't know this but you also have today we we, we understand and recognize what uh what uh you know what what uh what diabetes is and the third the third diabetes stage okay you have diabetes you got the uh, you got diabetes you got the one you got with diabetes one and two then you have diabetes three so you've got you've got the sugar uh that can be in his body to the point where he actually has you know diet he has three you know diabetes he has a third stage diabetes third you know he's got the diabetes to where it's affecting his brain okay so it's it, it's you have to understand how this works and people don't know but you can't make comparisons with apples and softballs okay so they're they're two different things one's a fruit and one's a baseball or a softball you know i mean the fact that all biden has cognitive issues is a lot to do with the fact that old Biden does not understand how to play, I should say, how to how to handle a press conference without it being in writing. So he's he's late for 90 minutes. He comes in 90 minutes late to the meeting, okay? And then he he has it all written down and he sat there. And uh again, you know, they 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 made the comment they were, you know, basically, all right, so he had a piece of paper and you know, uh, you know, he had it all written down and you know, but that's probably because Pet and Biden has a, a pension for using the wrong way. In other words, he's justifying why it was, you know, the gaff prone old Biden was was prone to, you know, to to, you know, to for for using the wrong words and forgetting someone's name. And, you know, that's not news. So they're basically going to just write it down for him. He's making excuses why it's important to write things down. But make no mistake, when you're sitting there at a presser and you and with a world leader and you're talking about putting nuclear submarines over there. You're reading it from a piece of paper. That's just pretty, pretty inc- incredible. And nobody really picked up on that. I didn't see anybody in the news really pick it up on that. Okay, I didn't see any, you know, you got type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, you got type 3 diabetes, which is now being known as Alzheimer's and the excessive sugar in your body to the point where it kills your brain. This is where Biden may be, type 3 diabetes. And we don't know. They just now declared it. So we don't know. I mean, where is his... Where is his cognitive ability? Where is his, I don't know. Whatever's going on in his head, though, it's really tragic, okay? And I don't want to miss that because, obviously, uh, you know, he's he's got the cheat sheet out there. And, of course, everyone's trying to say it's entirely normal, okay? So, I mean, you have all these people writing it. That's entirely normal for him to write it down. You have the, the, the reporter's Q&As on there, and he's circling names of people he's got to call on it. We already know that. We've seen that in there. <clears throat> but for him to do a presser and have everything written down, <clears throat> that was really, really, really amazing. I mean, you know, he, he just don't miss that. I, I you know, it, it, they're just basically making it look like, well, the, it's a, it's, it's okay. We do this because that's what he needs. <clears throat> well, Americans, what you ought to see is you ought to see an America First press that's going to hold him accountable for not being able to conduct it, you know, a, a, an open-ended conversation or to be able to rattle off points that he remembers and at the front at the you know the front of his head there that he just keep at the, at the tip of his tongue you know he's unable to 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 get into facts and specifics 
on things, on policy decisions. I mean, the leader of the free world can't speak, cannot speak to the policy decisions that he just made. Think about that. So the only other question is who's making the policy decision. So he's speaking on policy decisions that someone else is making. That's what's happening. So don't miss that. He's speaking to policy decisions that other people are making. That's why you had to write him down. Why else would you write him down? Who needs to write down things that came off their own thought process? Who has to write down things that they brought up in topics to discuss? Who needs to write that stuff down? Unless, of course, just somebody else's thoughts and somebody else's topics. You know, I don't know. But I can tell you, folks, this is where we're at. So I think it's important that we understand that what I believe the reason he wrote this down was because someone else is pulling the strings on foreign policy. Someone else is out front doing this. You know, and, and you got to realize that, you know, the people in this country have a right to know the, the straight skinny on this. And, and honestly, I mean, the, the, the press is keeping it out there. You don't see an America First press out there forcing conversation, forcing this topic out there, flushing out this topic. You know, flushing out the fact that oh, Biden's cognitive decline is in is in full is in full fire and crash mode, fiery crash mode. I mean, it really is. And I think what's really tragic is Pennsylvania just elected John Fetterman, so they think that the entire country is going to fall 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 into the trap that Pennsylvania just did. You know, how many Pennsylvanians didn't know that John Fetterman had a stroke when the voting began in September? I mean, think about that, folks. How many Pennsylvanians did not know Fetterman had a stroke, a debilitating stroke, which caused Fetterman to have some, you know, cognitive issues and, you know, that caused him to have issues with speech and things like that. I mean, think about that for a moment. You know, Pennsylvanians didn't know the skinny on that. And so when the voting was, was began, really the, the discussion was out there, but unless people were attached to the news in some capacity, if they just watched NBC or ABC or CBS or one of the other fake news, CNN, MSNBC, then they weren't getting the fact that John Fetterman had a stroke. They didn't hear that anywhere. They didn't hear that on any of the news channels unless they were watching Fox. That's it. And I'll tell you, um, they got that if they were watching Tucker Carlson, which, by the way, is another issue because Tucker Carlson's ratings, I guess, were higher than Fox's. Let me just jump into that for one moment. So we're watching now that Tucker Carlson's ratings are more than what what Fox News's ratings are, you know, by a 59 to 52 percent polling shows Tucker Carlson is more popular than his former employee. So you have six out of 10 people that watch Fox News say they like 59 percent of likely U.S. voters have a favorable impression of Tucker Carlson, including 36 percent of a very favorable opinion of him. Interesting, don't you think? You know, all these Americans like Tucker Carlson and what did Fox News do? Well, why don't we just take him off because he's becoming too big. He's becoming too popular in the news. I mean, Carlson's even viewed favorably by 52% of voters. I, I should say Fox News is viewed favorably by only 52% of the voters, including 24% with a very favorable. And I will tell you now, with what just happened, I would say that Fox News is not viewed favorably by 52%, but probably closer to 40% or even less. I think that's the real tragedy on all of this, that Tucker Carlson is now um is likely i think to uh what happened to tucker cross is gonna is gonna take fox news out of the limelight completely uh you've already seen it in some of the uh 
the ratings that came out, from what I understand, uh, there were two million fewer viewers that watched Brian Kill Me do the eight o'clock spot than were watching Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, the previous Friday night or previous Monday or whatever it was that you know the previous similar day. So Tucker Carlson actually had nearly two million more viewers. So what ended up happening was two thirds of the viewers that Tucker Carlson had tuned out. Now, Fox News is not panicking, of course, what they're saying. Of course, they've lost some market cap and they've lost some of that. And they're figuring, OK, well, we'll get it back as we had that happen when Megyn Kelly went. We had that happen when Bill O'Reilly went. We had that happen with the others. But, you know, we're, we're OK. We're 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 fine. We're just fine. We're going to get that viewership back. What I think they're they're missing the, the basic uh, truth, the great basic axiom, if you will. And um, in business, and that is when you've lost a customer, it's very hard to get that customer back. And in news, when you've lost a viewer, it's very hard to get those viewers back. We talked about that when Rachel Mad Dog was actually doing her show and uh, the night that uh, Donald Trump was indicted by, you know, by the New York uh, district attorney and, uh, you know, New York City, Manhattan district attorney, Alvin Bragg. So when he was indicted, uh, he made his statement after that, and that statement was broadcast live on Fox, but it was also broadcast live on other channels. So Trump was speaking, but on Rachel Mad Dog's channel, when the uh, when he was up there speaking, she had the split screen with him on the side, and she's basically telling viewers, yeah, he's speaking right now, but everything he's saying is propaganda. So don't worry, we're going to listen. If there's anything newsworthy, we'll let you know what it is. But you can just tune in to me and I'll tell you what you need to know about what he says. So if anybody was really interested in knowing what he wanted, to, what Trump was saying, they would have to tune off of Rachel Mad Dog's show and tune on to another channel that actually aired the news. So you had, she's admitting to not airing the news that night, okay? So she said to the viewers, don't worry, I don't need to air the news. I'll, I'll, re, I'll regurgitate it for you. So she turned viewers off that night to another channel. It'd be interesting to know how many people turned off a Rachel's show to turn on somebody else's show to get Trump's speech in Mar-a-Lago. So I thought that was interesting. So she was doing that. Now, it looked to me like, I guess the news agency, the news broadcast news is dog-eat-dog, jack-the-ripper-style-slash-your-throat type business is what it is. There is no loyalty in that business whatsoever. And uh, I think they're all concerned about what these anchors make when they get really popular. And I think in Tucker Cross's case, it was probably more than just money. I think it was more than that. I think it was he would become so big that he would run the news. You see, if Tucker Carlson, he was becoming the Rush Limbaugh of Fox News, so of the news to cast. Remember, Rush Limbaugh, before he passed away, had 20 million listeners every well, every week, he had 20 million people that tuned into his show at some point and Monday through Friday listened to what he had to say. So he had 20 million listeners every week. Well, Tucker was there. He, he was right at 5 million listeners a night, five nights a week. So he, he was there. He had it. And if he was on another, well, how who knows how he could have gone. He could have gotten six or seven million viewers. He was almost at the audience of a Monday night football game, Okay. So Fox News saw this. When they have a news personality, a personality that's on there that is almost as popular as a Monday Night Football game used to be on ESPN or at ABC when before all the options came up and before football went woke, 
you know, it, the um, it, the idea is it comes back to is, you know, they're concerned over that personality dictating policy station policy. See, they don't want somebody bigger than the station. What's interesting is I just recited that poll that uh, was out there that showed that that Tucker Carlson was more popular than Fox News. And I think what's interesting on in all of that, and, and you know, again, that was, you know, when you look at the the polling, I mean, that's 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 pretty bad. I mean, that the Rasmussen reports did that poll. So Rasmussen reports did the poll, and they're a pretty good polling outfit. So they came out and they did a poll. They showed he was more popular than the news channel. Well, they had to basically take out that guy because he was going to be dictating to them who was on what channel. In other words, he would run that. He would become the king of the kingdom. They didn't want that. I think there's some truth to that. I also think that they they just dislike Trump intently, and they just did not want Fox News. Like the the corporate organizations. Now I'm not talking about Fox News. I'm talking about those that control the news channels, those that control the media that the media what we see and hear every day. Those corporations, that money, that influence behind the scenes did not want Trump having an audience of 10 million viewers every night. They didn't want that. If if Tucker Carlson ever got to 6 million or 7 million viewers, or anywhere near that, that he would have been able to overcome the media blackouts from these other channels. People would have tuned in, and you would have seen suddenly Tucker Carlson with 7, 8, 9 million viewers every night which would be the most popular show on any TV channel on any night of the week. So Tucker Carlson would be the the show that every American be tuning into. You're going to realize, you know, 19 million people watched the State of Disunion speech that all Biden just gave recently. 19 million people. I mean, just think about that. If one-third of that, okay, one-third of that was watching Tucker Carlson every night, that's a pretty big audience. Because the state of disunion was carried on every channel. That was carried on every new network channel as well as every cable channel. So the popularity of that, I mean, by virtue of, of just pure saturation, the state of disunion is going to get more than than eight or nine million. Okay. I mean, to give you a comparison, even though while Biden had 19 million, 19.4 million viewers in his most recent state of disunion, all of the other state of the of the union <laughs> Uh, like when, when Trump had four state of the union addresses, Trump had over 35 million in every one of them, over 35 million tuned in to listen to the John Donald J. Trump address the union address Congress four times, like one time a year, four times over 35 million each time. Half of that was listening to Biden this past state of disunion. So as he's talking about the disunion, the state of the disunion that we're in right now. So when you're making comparisons between, you know, all Biden and, you know, like F Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you want to make comparisons with the fact one guy's 60 who's recovered, who recovered from polio, survived polio. The other guy is 80 who survived two brain aneurysms 35 years ago. So while Biden's 80 years old and, you know, he was 45 when he had two brain aneurysms. So he's had, you know, even though he's, re he's lived through them and he's recovered from them, they do permanent damage that sometimes your brain never really quite gets there. And when you have type 3 diabetes, if, if he does have that, I'm not saying he does, if he does have that, then he's going to run that risk of, of Alzheimer's and dementia setting in because that becomes part of a problem on a weakened brain. Anyway, so whatever the case is, I don't relish anything like that on our, on, on our president. 
uh, you know, because he's a symbol of our country, no matter how much I, I don't I don't like his governance, okay, and his crazy policies, he's still a symbol of this country. But I can tell you what's really tragic on all of this is that the media is not putting this out there for the public. Right now, the you know, the 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 hundred and sixty million people that vote every election, every presidential election, I would submit to you only about one quarter of them or one fifth of them know that oh Biden had two brain aneurysms, maybe one fifth, and that would be the people over forty-five, okay, maybe over fifty. So, and that might be a, it might be you know like twenty percent of these voters that know that the man had two brain aneurysms, maybe, maybe twenty percent. And I mean, honestly, how many people know that he has a mental decline? Well, I mean, even though people watching are watching him just stare off into space or watching him lose track of a conversation or lose track of a name or a person he's just been introduced to or lose track of the fact that he happens to be in a certain state, okay, a certain state of the country when he's making a speech or whatever the case is, or he forgets the people that are around him, or he forgets he gets his key, he forgets his cues as to where he's going off the stage, things like that. I mean, these are signs of someone that has mental decline, real mental slippage. And whatever that is, whether it's type three diabetes or whether it's something less whatever it is it's affecting them to the point where somebody else has to has to determine what the foreign policy is for you know for with south korea and they have to write it down for him because he has to recite somebody else's foreign policy don't miss that i believe that's why he read that he had to read it i mean we can we can kind of make a comment that he read it because you know he didn't you know because he, he had to read it because he well there was a lot of details he didn't want to leave out you can make that discussion point but it's hard to make that discussion point when you're the one when you're the one that figuring out the details of the policy you just created. When it's your own policy, you don't have to write it down. You can just relive it. It's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like re rehashing a vacation you just took on, a vacation you just got back on. You can start talking, telling the story of the details on on where you went and you know how it was in the in the in the hotel and how it was on the resort and how how your first encounter in the pool was, or, you know, how your children's first encounter at the, at the beach was, or, you know, the time they saw the, the jellyfish on the shore, or whatever the details are on the vacation, the zip line, and how the zip line, how the, how we handled the zip line the first time we went through, whatever the details are, okay, you know, or, or whatever, okay, you can recall those details because you just lived it, okay, that's how you can tell the story, people can tell a story about something they just went through because they just lived through it. They just experienced and went through it. So for Biden to have to write the details down means he didn't think through it. That means it wasn't his policy. Does that make sense, folks? I'm convinced that he was reading the policy of the of the puppet master, the person with the hands inside the puppet of Biden. That's what I think we saw, and I think that's the real scary point. I don't want to miss that because I think that's a very good point that nobody's talking about except me but i think that uh i've had, because i haven't heard that anywhere but don't miss that i mean i want to know whose policy he was reading I, that's what i'm interested to know but you know getting back to john fetterman i want to recircle back to that whole conversation so john fetterman has has a massive stroke and before the primary last may and i guess it was back in april and there was a little bit of news on that but it wasn't so it wasn't so much with the democrats because remember the democrats were already voting Many of them already set their ballots in. So you had the Democrat primary, and he was running against Connor Lamb. And uh, 
who's another communist, but at least the man has doesn't have the cognitive issues that Fetterman does. So the interesting point here is that Fetterman, uh, you know, I mean, the fact of his the facts of his stroke, okay, were not exactly out there for the public. So when the voting started, and so then he, and of course, then after the election, he beats Cunderland, and then it's out there that he had a stroke. But again, it really wasn't highlighted in the news. So many, many people, and you got to remember something, especially Democrats, not so much of Republicans, but even some Republicans. I would say about half Republicans are uninformed. They just, they kind of vote Republican because they're Republican. The other half are informed. I would say on the Democrat side, it's probably more like two-thirds of Democrats are uninformed. One third are informed on their on their socialist communist issues, and they're the activists that are pushing forward these crazy ideas and these crazy policies, and they're pushing them out there because the media does not does not put the perspective of these of the craziness of these of these complex issues. I should say the craziness of these unicorn issues, the unicorn issues that they're putting out there. You know these anti-science, anti-American, anti-God policies. Okay, that they put out there. So the media doesn't highlight that. So the two-thirds of the Democrats don't get any of it. So you know, he went through the entire summer, and, and of course, Fetterman was out of the news. And, you know, I mean, he, there wasn't anybody talking. There wasn't any news cycles. There was nobody really getting into it. And then September, the voting started, and he does an interview with somebody. I think it was on NBC, and she just made some comments about how she was concerned about his cognitive decline. I can't think of her name right off the top. I can't remember the name of the reporter that did it, but she was like a, like a new person. But immediately, Savannah Guthrie, who was one of the uh, NBC personalities and other other communist commentators, started getting all over this reporter saying, "What are you talking about? He has cognitive issues. What are you kidding? Of course he complete a, Of course the man can complete a, a sentence in a thought in a sentence form, you know." And and she's like, "Well, I don't know. I just interviewed him and I asked him some questions and I didn't get that feeling." So she's being honest with what happened. And they hammered her on social media to where she kind of retracted her, her her investigative side, if you will, and kind of got along with the group thing on the left. So she she kind of abandoned the independent thought process and went back into the group thing because she realized, oh, my goodness, my friends are angry with me. OK, so there was a little bit of journalism by mistake. And uh, immediately they realized, oh, I should never have done this. I should stick to the group thing narrative, which is what she got back to. So the voting commences and the Democrats, there was a million people that voted, of which 80% were Democrats. So 800,000 Democrats voted before the first debate, before the only debate with Dr. Oz, a renowned heart surgeon, TV personality. 800,000 people voted and then everyone saw the cognitive decline. And, and the best illustration I can give, of course, you can go back and look at the, you can look at the, the debate that he had with him. You guys, anybody should go on YouTube and pull it up or go to Rumble and pull it up. But you can see the debate. You can see his, 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 his stare off into spaces. He couldn't, he couldn't bring his focus together. They asked him one question. This is one illustration I'll give you from that. They said, so how are you going to, how are you going to control student loans? How are you going to help the, how are you going to help control the cost on student loans? And he answered, I'm going to, I'm going to control the cost on student loans. And she said, well, thank you, but how are you going to control the cost on student loans? And then he answered again, I'm going to control the cost on student loans. And then she asked him a third time, how are you going to control the cost of student loans? I mean, I, I like the detail on that. And then he answered a third time and said, 
I will control the cost of student loans. Now, that's kind of a paraphrase, but it had to do with student loans. I remember that. But if you go back and you watch the you watch the debate, you're going to see how he repeated his non-answer three times. Like he could not be one ounce of spe- specificity. He couldn't even do one ounce of it because he had no ability to bring his brain into that into the into the ability to 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 zero in on one specific point on what he could do. This is where so so Pennsylvania voted for this guy by by a razor thin margin because after the debate, you still had seventy. You still had like I think I want to say. Uh, Oh, there was about 70% of the voters still voting on election day, but but 30% already voted. So, you know, he ended up winning by a few thousand votes statewide. So it was a landslide defeat on election day, but it was a resounding win with the 30% that came in. And my contention is the 800,000 Democrats that voted for him or 700 plus thousand that voted for him, I can assure you half or more would not have voted for him if they knew he had cognitive decline and it had it been in the news, had it been had it been talked about in September right after Labor Day, they wouldn't have given him that. So I, I just think it's a very significant point. And I think what we gotta realize is that, you know, you have, I think, you have the ability of of where um, uh, look, I, I just think what we have to realize is, is there's so much more to what the voters need. That perspective needs to be expanded. And then the responsibility that the America First media has is to put out the details. Okay, the man is unable to complete a, a full sentence without reading it on a script, even has trouble reading it. The man is unable to 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 do his the, the man is unable to to handle his 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 job or handle his his you know as any kind of discussion point. Okay, uh, whatever whatever visible signs of of cognitive issues he had, they should have expounded on and then the details of stroke victims should have been put out there what happens to somebody when they have a stroke well the brain dies when the brain dies it doesn't recover this is not an inflammation of the brain this is not an inflammation virus that the brain gets like encephalitis uh the uh, encephalitis is something the brain happens to the brain from mosquito bites and the brain swells up and so but that's that's inflammation that heals okay now, it may do some damage. I don't know. I'm not a brain specialist, but I can tell you that it's not, it doesn't kill the brain. I, I don't believe, I mean, it's not like a stroke. A stroke actually deprives blood to the brain, which kills the, the tissue and it does not regenerate. Now, if they get the way they handle strokes today, if they get it soon enough, like right away, they can, they can give you some medication as something that they can give you that actually induces immediate recovery. But they got to get it really quick. Like you got to get it within a few minutes, like a few, like within an hour of the stroke itself, because the brain starts to die right away. So you've got you've got to get this in. So you got to be close enough to treatment right away. So you know, like an example of that. I mean, I I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of Deadliest Cast. I used to watch the Deadliest Cast of Crabbers in Alaska, the Alaskans, uh, you know, Bering Sea. I used to love watching that. My my kids and I would would binge watch that and. We would watch that show for hours. I mean, we'd watch episode after episode after episode after episode. We'd watch like six or eight episodes a night or something. We'd start watching it, you know, at, at six o'clock and we'd watch them all through because we'd watch them commercial free through like 10. We'd watch five or six episodes. And guess what? We're watching them overnight. Oh, more deadliest catch because they had all these shows on over and over. Well, in one of those shows, one of the, one of the fishermen captains had a stroke at sea. He actually had a stroke. 
when he was at sea and uh, it took him six hours to get off that ship and into a hospital in Anchorage, Alaska, six hours without treatment. And by the time they got in there, it was too late and his brain was was literally uh, dead in so much part of his brain. So he really, he never recovered. And, and obviously the stroke ended up killing him because he ended up with another stroke after that and ended up passing away. But uh, uh, Harris, I think his name was, his last name was Harris. But I think the, the what's really what's really tragic on all of that was was the fact that he was out at sea when it happened. It took six hours to get into the hospital. So if you're like uh, you know in in uh, Montgomery County in Jenkintown or in Abington, or if you happen to be in Skidback, or if you happen to be in King of Prussia and you have a stroke, you're you're probably within an hour of getting really good treatment because of the best hospitals in the world are in Philadelphia. UPenn's one of the top ten hospitals on planet Earth. Okay, UPenn. So it's it's really a sensational hospital, University of Pennsylvania Hospital. It's, it's a beautiful, excellent hospital. So they got you down there quick enough you can you can get the treatment. But any of these hospitals can get you the treatment you need. Uh, not maybe not a medical center, but a hospital. And uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, it was a medical center they got him to, and it wasn't a hospital. It was a medical center, and they just didn't have the ability to give him the treatment. Anyway, but and they had to cart him off to a different hospital. But whatever the case is. Uh, I just think it's 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 imperative to that you know people understand what happens when you have a stroke and when they understand that that part what happens to the human body from a stroke then they start looking at at you know at, at Fetterman but people would have demanded that the man go through some sort of a cognitive test if you will the Democrats could have replaced the guy they could have replaced him I mean Conor Lamb just ran the race against him and because Conor Lamb should have been racing all kinds of sand because the news wasn't out there. There was nobody out there talking about Fetterman's cognitive decline from a stroke. Nobody. And it was really an amazing thing. So Connor Lamb, I don't know what, where he was on all of this, but it didn't seem to matter to him that it wasn't out there. Whatever it was, okay, the Democrats could have taken one off the ballot with the stroke. They could have gotten him to resign. And then Connor Lamb could have been just appointed to be on the ballot. No more election needed. They could have just put him on the ballot and, and he would have been on there. Okay. And uh, that would have been that. The party would have just said, we're naming him on the ballot. We've already had the primary, even though he lost, he's a runner-up. He'll be the guy on the ballot because this guy had a stroke. And they would have had somebody on there without the cognitive decline. The guy was served in the military. Now, he was a communist guy. He was like, I want to say a communist. He was just more of a, 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 he was a person that kowtowed to the communist left. He himself, I don't think was, but he did what he was told. He was the guy, he was one of those introverts guys that just, he just did what he was told to do. I mean, I, I mean, his public policy was not was not that of a, a moderate or a conservative. He voted with Nancy Pelosi every chance he got as a House member. He was a congressman, so he voted with her every chance he got. So he's not exactly the king of conservative or even the king of moderates. He was he was a liberal just like all of them. And, and in some cases, he voted with the communists. So he may he may be a liberal American on on, on paper. You might say, well, he's a liberal. He's really not a communist because he served in the U.S. military. But I would say he might be a liberal, but he votes for the communists every time. So he was not an independent thinker. He's more of a groupthink person. So he certainly wasn't the strongest guy to be voting. But he would have been a better choice than Fetterman. Fetterman is it's really a shocking shame. So the guy ends up with the stroke. He wins the election. Then he gets you know, a few months later after the election, he uh, in February, he ends up going into the hospital from a bout with depression. So not only did the man have a stroke, but he also has bouts with depression. Nobody knew that either. 
and now this is a U.S. senator. So now, you know, you, you've got this guy. Pennsylvania's already got buyer's remorse with this guy. And obviously, and, and there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. But now they're trying to do this with Biden. So Biden's out there trying to make his case, trying to say, well, I mean, here's my case for being successful. <laughs> I just want to continue to do, finish. I want to finish what I've started. And I think what he doesn't realize is 65% of Americans don't want him to finish what he started. <laughs> And uh, I mean, only thir- only a third of Democrats want him to finish what he started. Two thirds of Democrats don't want him to run. So I mean, don't miss that either. Two thirds of Democrats don't want him to run. I mean, that's a very telling point. So he's he's going to have a primary now. The DNC's already been out there saying, "Don't worry, O Biden, we will not have any debates on your primary stage." So they don't want to re- they do not want a a rehash, if you will, or a reliving of 1980. When Jimmy Carter had his debates as an incumbent president, you know, with Ted Kennedy and and Frank Church and the other Democrats and 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 and, and Simon out of Illinois and the big bow tie on that guy and all these Democrats are up there on that stage talking about, you know, how they're talking about how liberal they want to be and whatnot. They all had debates with Jimmy Carter and a week in Jimmy Carter where Jimmy Carter lost 45 states in 1980, 45 states and got beat hard. So they don't want that with Biden. They don't want Democrats tearing him down. So the DNC's already saying we're not going to have any debates. So you got the you got you got Robert Robert Kennedy's son is running for president on the Democrat side. Um, again, I'm not. I would never vote for a D, but he's not. He he's coming across as not your typical D, and he's going to be a, a logical alternative on the Democrat side to oh Biden. Okay, so he's appealing to the blue dog Democrats. I think he's trying to. But what's interesting on all of this is they're not going to give him any debates. So so they're already saying they're not going to have any debates. Imagine being a Democrat. You want to run for president. You're planning on circulating nomination petitions next January within your party. You know, and you got to get all these states. You got to get every state. You got to get ground games going in 50 states. You got to get a ground game going in every state to get the nomination petitions going. To get on the ballot in 50 states, you just can't make a declaration. I'm running for president, and immediately they're going to get on every ballot. That's not the way it is. You got to get on on the ballot in every state. So, like the Republican Party of Pennsylvania here is going to have all the counties, 67 counties in Pennsylvania. Of course, me being the chair of the Berks County, we're going to be circulating nomination petitions for Donald J. Trump. We're going to be circulating, and as we do that, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be pushing up our new newsletter, which is going to be interesting. We got a, we got a newsletter that's coming out. Uh, the Burks GOP is going to be putting out a newsletter. It's going to be interesting. And uh, again, well, uh, we're, you know, we're going to be having that and we're going to be promoting it when we do the, the nomination petition. So we're going to be out there going door to door, talking to people about, you know, I'm getting a nomination petition for Donald J. Trump to run for president against, against the communist O'Biden. And the, then the end American Democrats, you're going to have all these Republicans that are up to their eyes with these lunatic policies and the, and you know, this insane out of control, uh, you know, inflation nation and, and all this lack of leadership on the, on the foreign, foreign policy front and all this, all this craziness going on around the world and, and in our country. And you're going to be they're going to be jumping for joy to sign a petition, which not, which most don't get the opportunity to do. Most people do not get the opportunity to sign a president, a nomination petition for president of the United States. I don't even know what that's amazing. They don't realize it. So last, last uh, election cycle in 2020, 
We got 3,000 signatures for Donald Trump here in Berks County, just Berks County. And of course, I, he had he had a lot in the state, tens of thousands across the state of Pennsylvania. But you have to get so many of them across. You got to get you got to get signatures in every county. I'm, well, maybe it's not every county, but you got to get you got to get them in so many county a percentage of the counties and across the state. You got to get certain counties, whatever. But they've got the they got the threshold that has to be met, and you have to meet that threshold. And uh, then there's a state total, and of course, it has to be a breakdown that goes into the counties and a certain county threshold. So there's things that have to be met, and, and of course, you have to meet that. So you have to have a ground game in each state to do it. They have to have a ground game in each state. So you make an announcement like Robert Kennedy's doing right now, Robert Kennedy Jr. is doing, he's making this announcement in April because he wants to start the ground game in May and June. So he's he's getting with the Democrat committee members in all these 50 states. So he's going to get people on the ground to go to these states to visit the state committees in these states so that they can introduce themselves to the state committee members in these states and then as well get to know the people in the county committees because all the counties have committees as well. So the state committee members will introduce them to the county committees, and that introduction is going to get them, the people in six or seven months, hopefully get them the ground support they need to start circulating nomination petitions next January. That's what has to happen. This is, uh, my point is, it's a Herculean effort that you have to achieve. And and the Democrats are already saying, okay, well, you can go through all that, but we're not going to have any debates. So the Democrats are already saying, we're not going to help you. What's interesting is the fix is already in. So it's going to be interesting to see if any of these people are able to get on the ballots in 50 states. Can Robert Kennedy Jr. get the support he needs in 50 states to get on the ballot in 50 states? I'm not sure he can do it. If the Democrats and the DNC or the Democratic National Communist Committee is already saying that they're not going to have debates, well, then they're already putting the fix in with all the state committees, the state committees, to say, why don't you make sure you put a few speed bumps and roadblocks in front of all these candidates so they don't get the nomination petitions they need in your states? In other words, don't help them much. Now, this is what you can believe happens behind the scenes in crooked politics. This is this is the biggest turnoff for politics. They can control this. This is what happened to Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. They didn't want the man as the, as the nominee. Republicans didn't want him. He was too much like Trump and the, the establishment who controls some of the central financing of the of the Republican Party, if you will, said, we're not financing this at all. We're going to forego this election. We're going to basically secede, if you will. Well, actually, we're going to cede everything, if you will, to, uh, to uh, Josh Shapiro. We'll make some concessions behind the scenes, some closed-door concessions, and we'll get them from him, and we'll just throw our support behind him without actually doing it. So the Republican Party of Pennsylvania actually did that. I mean, this is what you got to understand. And now you may say as a Republican listening to the show, that's not true, Clay. How did, there's no way the Republicans will get behind Josh Shapiro. Folks, when you don't support the Republican candidate for governor, by definition, you're supporting the opposition. And when you're not giving the Republican candidate for mo- the governor money from the National Governors Association fund of nearly... $500 million, he didn't get anything from that. Okay, they didn't give him any money from that fund. He got he didn't get any money for anything. The man spent $5 million on a statewide race when he should have spent like 30. Okay. And no kidding. I mean, if he had 30 or 40 million, he could have he could have ran some ads and he could have 
He could have forced the debate by giving himself visibility on paid programming throughout the state. He could have given himself free advertising, I should say, not free advertising, but he could have stimulated free advertising through his own advertising campaign. He could have spent 30 or 40 million on campaigning if they had 30 or 40 million to spend. To put that in perspective, there were state senators, state senators, of which I think there's there's like 40 of them, or maybe 50 or 60 of them. I think there's like 55 state senators out there. So there are state senators that spent one and a half million, two million dollars on statewide on their state senate seats. So they had one and a half to two million dollars they had to spend to keep their senate seat. He spent twice that for a governor's race. He, that's nothing. You can't win a statewide race in Pennsylvania with $5 million. Not when your opponent's spending 30 and $40 million. You can't do it. It's hard enough to win a race spending 30 against a candidate spending 30 or $40 million, unless you're spending at least 30 or $40 million. If you're only spending 15 or $20 million, you have a chance, but it's hard. But he got no money. He got no help at all. They gave him nothing. So by definition, they were supporting the Democrat. That's what I understand as the chairman of the Republican Party in Birch County. That's what I understand this whole thing, this whole fiasco to be. This is what happened. So make no mistake, folks, the Democrats right now are already setting the stage for Joe O'Biden, okay, to get the support, if you will, from the DNC by the DNC not giving open debates to his opponents in a primary. Folks, the fix is in on the Democrat side. Don't miss it. Tune in later today. We got a great show lined up for our Watchmen, folks. We got a great show lined up this afternoon for 1 p.m. today. So tune in later today for some of the topics we're unable to get to today. But, folks, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for taking your time with us on a Saturday morning. We so much appreciate it. You've been doing it now for for five years. And, And believe me, folks, this is a big deal to me. I am so appreciative that you give us, give me your ear every Saturday morning here on AM Radio 1180WFYL here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. Folks, see you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye.